Hey everyone, I'm Jen Garrett and welcome to the Move the Ball podcast. On this podcast, we are going to talk about how to succeed in business and in life by putting winning strategies into practice to help you advance faster. So if you're looking to move forward and reach that next level of greatness, then you are in the right place. Now get ready. Let's suit up, show up, and move the ball. Hey everyone, Jen Garrett here. It's so great to be back with you on another episode of Move the Ball. Today, inside the huddle with us and ready to have a chat on how to move the ball is a very special guest, MMA fighter, Mr. Jose Shorty Torres. Now, Shorty Torres is a 27-year-old professional MMA fighter, seven-time MMA world champion, UFC veteran, and Brave Combat Federation flyweight contender. Shorty, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to be on. Thank you for having me. Well, I've been really looking forward to our interview as you are the first MMA fighter to come on the podcast. And as a martial artist myself, a third degree black belt in Taekwondo, many people don't know that about me. um, I've always had an appreciation for MMA and martial arts, and I'm excited for you to share your perspective with us today. I appreciate it. Let's get to it. Yeah, let's do it. So share with us first off, how did you get into mixed martial arts? Honestly, my upbringing was a little different from others. I always say fighting is a poor man's sport, and that's 100% how it was for me. I was lucky enough to have the opportunity to be signed up to like a local park district karate gym with Shotokan Karate, McKinley Park in the Chicago neighborhood. And uh, my father was in gangs. My brother was slowly, you know, kind of getting into that. He did more graffiti stuff. And both their upbringings were just, if you want to say, very hood, very ghetto, and very... uh, you know, you need to fight to survive. So for me growing up, they were kind of raising me the same way, but my mom saw the the flaws of, of how my father was raised and how they were in a sense kind of repeating it with my brother. And they go, we don't want to do the same thing for the little one. Let's see if he's into martial arts. Let's find them some sports. And my mom always put me in sports from baseball, football, karate. I mean, you name it, I was always in it. I was literally a three season sporter plus martial arts all year round. And my mom spent all her free time, you know, pretty much taking me everywhere, being the soccer mom, if you want to say. But um, she ended up signing me up to to karate, and she just saw the ball of energy I had from watching shows like Dragon Ball Z and Power Rangers. And in the 90s, fighting shows were huge. Marvel Comics was coming out with X-Men and all these and Ninja Turtles and all that stuff. So I naturally always wanted to play fighting because of my upbringing. My dad and brother always wanted to bully me or even just have fun or even sometimes get a little too physical. So I always had to know how to defend myself just in case, whether it was fun, abusive or not. And, you know, because of it, I I ended up doing that and I ended up being really, really good at it. And knowing that my brother and father never really had the opportunity to do that. I always look at it even still today that they were way more talented in their prime than I am now, or even just overall around the same age, they were way more talented. So for me, I just go, man, if they had the opportunity they would have been superstars, you know? So I was like, you know what, let me try to live their life that they wanted. And that's what I'm doing right now. Oh, that's great. And as someone who's played multiple sports, what lessons and practices have you learned being an athlete that has really equipped you to be successful outside of sports and in life? The the biggest thing is the hardest thing for most people is taking advice in every single sport, especially for me. Again, my nickname is Shorty. I am the small person. I'm usually in school. I was always the smallest person in my class. I was always the smallest person and sometimes the youngest person in my team. So I always had to do more to stand out. I always had to do more to be better than the others. And when I was younger, I was very, very shy and timid because of it. But being coachable and taking advice and going, you know what? 
I kind of have no choice but to listen because I'm really struggling compared to the other athletes. Again, in football, I was a small guy, so I had to not be afraid to tackle and take the coach's advice on how to tackle properly. And ever since then, I was able to tackle and actually love tackling. I actually miss football. Those are my favorite things with tackle drills from being completely scared to it to loving it. Same thing with baseball. Okay, use your size as your advantage. Be the small guy. Make it a small pocket, a small frame so your strike zone is very small, stealing bases, stuff like that. And then in martial arts of for me, especially in MMA, um, when I was an amateur, we did multiple different styles of kickboxing tournaments, Muay Thai tournaments, this and that. I got beat up in every single one of them. And if I wasn't coached properly and if I didn't take that advice in, I wouldn't have, you know, really pushed through the the way I did. In a sense, really, I wouldn't have, the ball wouldn't have moved. You know, I would have been doing the same thing, hard-headed shorty, doing the same thing over and over and over again, still getting beat up. But now being able to take this advice and have multiple coaches and being a professional the way I am. I have to really analyze a lot of different things and people have advice for me. I have to take it in, whether it's good, bad, whatever the case may be, and try to utilize it the best I can. That's usually the hardest part for people is they, they look at it as they're being criticized or they're being scrutinized or, oh, they don't like the way it performed. No, it's, it's not how it is. You might have a good day. You might have a bad day. But even on your best days, there's always something to improve on and you have to take it uh, in a wholesome way and go, okay, cool. I'm going to look at this and hopefully it helps. Oh, I think that's great because I think as great athletes and great leaders and great players in the game of life, it's always important for us to focus on how we can improve. And one way you can focus on that is by taking advice, right? And constructive feedback and criticism from people that are giving it to you so that you can be better. And you have to, and especially in team sports and even right now, MMA, even though it's not a team sport per se, I'm training with other people to help me, you know, so it is a small team and, uh, you know, I wouldn't be able to do it by myself. So I need to make sure I trust these people and their advice and their opinions and to know that they're looking out for what's best for me. So if they tell me something, I usually know that all right, this is something I definitely should do. It's very rare for me to go, no, it's, that's dumb advice or bad. You have to be coachable because if you're not, you're going to be stuck in the mud and that's usually how it works. I like that. You do have to be coachable. So thank you for sharing that. And as an athlete, it's important that you take care of yourself, not only from a a physical standpoint, but mentally, emotionally, spiritually, because if you want to play at a high level of sports as you are in, you have to be on your A game. So what do you do to ensure that you are at your A game always? You know, it's crazy. I know people can't see the video, but like I have a black eye right now. In this sport, I think LeBron James uh, posted something not too long ago talking about he spends millions of dollars, like so much percentage of his paycheck on his personal health. And it's huge how much money he spends. But especially in my sport, his is basketball. Yeah, there's longevity in that as well. But for me in my sport, we don't make it sometimes to 30. You know, we hope to 35, but maybe it just doesn't go that far. For me, if I break my hand and the doctor says I can't fight again, what do we do next? So for me to be able to take care of my body and honestly take care of my brain. I have been facing mental struggles recently in the past few years and especially last year. It's it's crazy how, yeah, cool, we can get beat up and keep on pushing and our bodies can take a physical toll. But once you start taking a mental toll, your body starts to deteriorate even faster. You know, So for me, being able to hire a mental coach, hire a physical therapist, hire a massage therapist, hire and do different things to take care of my body where it's cryotherapy, the hyperbaric chamber, even just taking a nap and listening to my body and going, okay, maybe I should just stay home. And for me, I'd rather go 100% of practice than, you know, nothing at all. And if I am not, if I'm not going to go 100%, let me just stay home because it might not be the best day for me. Or those might be the days where you accidentally get hurt. 
And that's, I, I've had those days where I've had last minute fights. I'm trying to push, push, push. My body's super fatigued, but mentally I'm so strong that I'm just trying to go through, but my body just can't handle it. I end up getting hurt and now I can't fight and I'm backtracked for two, three, if not multiple months. So for me, it's being able to listen to my body and know when is the right time to compete, practice, perform and, and do what I need to do to uh, succeed. I think that's great because I think so often you, we hear people talk about how you have to hustle all the time, right? Hustle and grind, rise and grind, push, push, push every day. And that's important to do, but it's also important to take time to recharge, to recoup, to listen to your body and to make sure you're focused on your health because you're absolutely right. I mean, if you, if you go at something and you're not ready to, and you need to be home resting, you are more prone to injury. And what happens if you get injured, then you're set back even farther than if you had just taken the time out and recharged and then gotten back in the game when you were a hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I, I went down, you know, a small story for yesterday. I went down for, for wrestling and it could have just been, it's Monday, Monday feel you're still very tired from the weekend, but I was extremely fatigued. And I remember waking up at four in the morning and just not being able to go back to bed for multiple hours. So I was up extremely early. And by the time I had to go to practice, my body was already dying out. It's like, Oh, I want to go back to bed. I want to, I want to sleep. But I forced myself to get up at practice. And even during practice, some of my teammates are like, dude, are you okay? Like, what's up? You're not performing. It seems like you're kind of just letting me win. And luckily, I did not get hurt. But it could have been one of those instances where I'm letting people kind of toss me around and do certain things because I'm just trying to help them. And I'm going through the motion. But going through the motion is not the same thing as going 100%. That's not going to help you improve. So that's why I say go 100% or just don't go at all. Because if you can't go as much as possible when you can, then it's probably the safest thing to listen to your body, go home and rest. And everyone hustles, 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 hustles. And that's great. But sometimes you do need time for yourself. And with that, you'll be able to help so much more people in the long run as well. Yes, completely agree. So at the time that we're recording this episode, you are currently preparing for an upcoming fight in Brazil on March 28th. Talk to us about that. I mean, you're fighting another UFC veteran with you both have tons of international experience. How are you feeling about the fight? Tell us some more details about it. So it is a great, great fight. Uh, Brave Combat Federation, Brave CF is having a flyweight tournament. So they do not have a champion yet at the weight class. They, I was actually supposed to fight for the belt in November. Sadly, I had to back away last minute. But it's one of those things where they're like, you know what, let's make it a little more exciting for the fans. So they decided to make a flyweight tournament. It's a 16-man tournament full of UFC veterans, Bellator veterans, and veterans overall in the sport of MMA, jiu-jitsu, multiple-time world champions, and world champions in general. So my first opponent is Mateus Nicolau. He is a Brazilian, so I will be fighting in his area, which I'm super excited for because the part of Brazil we're going to, which I cannot say the name, it's just too long and, and the accent gets too hard. It's a, one of the like most beautiful places in Brazil. I train an American top team, which I like the nickname Brazilian top team because there's just so many of them here. They're like, dude, where you're going is amazing. After your fight, you should automatically stay. And uh, my my opponent is a UFC veteran. He was two and one. I was one and one. We sadly, there was a, a flyweight demise in UFC. So once you lost one, they cut you, which again, sucks when you have a contract, but so be it. And he is a very, very experienced guy. He's bigger than me. He's longer than me. He might be stronger than me. But it's one of those things that MMA, anything can happen. And I'm very, very excited. My experience has, has really built me to this moment. I only fought once last year. So in a sense, I've had a year plus to train for this fight. And uh, it makes it that much more exciting knowing that I'm fighting someone in my caliber. It's not just some average Joe. It's a UFC veteran, a guy who's moving up in the rankings just like me, just so happened to lose his last fight in UFC and being released on you know unfortunate circumstances. For us, this is a motivating thing to show the world that we are some of the best. 
and that the flyweight division the flyweight fighters the small guys are very very exciting he is a very good counterfighter and i'm excited to see what he does against myself that's a, a pressure counterfighter so it's one of those things that it is going to be one of those those type of shows that i just don't believe it's going to go all the way either i'm being finished or i'm finishing him and that's something i'm, I'm really excited to find out well great well i'm looking forward to seeing you in action here and just a. A couple of weeks. Now, not many of our listeners are familiar with all the preparation that goes into getting ready for an MMA fight. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you're doing to train over the next few weeks? What does your daily routine look like, for example? Oh, man, I've been I've been away from home for about by the time this camp is over, it'll be a total of three months. So I did about a 12, 11 to 12 week uh, camp. And it's it's again, it's, the hardest part is time away from home, your family. Um, you know, people that love and care about you and people that obviously you love and care about given me, I don't have kids, not that I know of at least. And, you know, for other people, they, they suffer from being away from their families, their children, stuff like that, their, you know, experiences. So for me, it's, you know, what, what did I do? I trained at home for a week and ready for it. Then I went to Albuquerque to sponsor a fighter and then also uh, work with my nutritionist there. And then I've been in Florida and American top team for, about a month and a half now. And I've just been going through the ringer again. I have like a nice little shiner. I have a nice little black eye right now. And uh, I've been getting beat up. I've been training. I've been doing strength conditioning. I've been running a lot. I run almost, let's see, blah, 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 blah. I run almost 20 plus miles, you know, in the week. And I'm, I'm not a runner. I'm a fighter, you know? So um, I definitely work out three to three to four times a day. And it's just going, going, going. This is my full-time job. So when people are like, oh man, you get paid a good amount of money when you fight. It's like, yeah, I might. But here's the problem is I might have like a eight to eight to five job or a nine to five job. But technically I do. I'm waking up every single day at seven in the morning, going to run at eight in the morning. Then I'm coming back, changing, going to a drill practice for an hour, coming back, then doing whatever professional practice we have for an hour, an hour and a half. And then I'm doing extra work after from jump rope, maybe an extra run, maybe uh, a 20 minute sauna session. Then I'm coming back upstairs and working on my diet because I lose about 20 to 30 pounds for my fights. So I weigh about 155 to 160 naturally and I fight at 125. So I have to manage my diet as well and take pictures of my food, send it to my nutritionist. Oh, it's not good. Cool. I got to maneuver and manipulate it a little bit. And then, you know, hopefully I get some, some time in between my day to take about an hour to two hour nap. And then I'm back at it for another practice. And it's more of a, a weight cutting practice. You know, I'm running again, I'm hitting the bag. I'm in my saw on the top and bottom and I'm just working, working, working. And then at night trying to be productive and doing whatever else I need to do so I can, you know, show off on social media, show off for the fans and do what I need to do to possibly make money on, on different endeavors like sponsorships or different promotions or giveaways and trying to help my foundation and do more that way. Um, and then, you know, I have to get ready for the fight. I have to bring my team in. I have to make sure the hotels are all set up. I have to make sure that my managers, my nutritionists, my coaches are all flights are all good. The hotels are set up. The training camp is going as perfect as it can be. And it's, it becomes a real, real struggle. It is very, very hard in this life is a very, very strenuous one, especially getting punched in the face as well. So, you know, it's a lot to do in this camp and a lot of people don't really realize it because they don't see what's behind the scenes. But hopefully this little insight shows you that it, it's a much harder than just getting punched in the face. It's like you're getting punched in the soul sometimes because, you know, honestly, sometimes and most of the time, really, camp doesn't work out the way you hope for. You know, sometimes you can't afford to bring people or you can't afford people in general or, you know, you get hurt or you have injuries and this and that. Sometimes it does get very, very strenuous. I'm going through my own camp struggle, which I believe I do every single time. And I have one more month, so I'm excited to push through, you know, have an amazing fight, get it over and done with, 
relax a little bit and excited to do it again. Thanks for sharing. And now as we get closer to the fight, I know like the week of the fight is a pretty stressful week. I mean, I've heard you share previously different stories about things that you've done to make weight and other things, but how do you manage the stress before a fight? Can you share some tips with people on what they can do to help manage stress in their life? Man, that's, that's really, really a hard part because everyone's different. You know, I'm still finding out different ways to control my depression, my anxiety, my stress. Um, you know, sometimes I wake up at four in the morning and I just can't go back to bed. I'll wake up to use the restroom. I'll go lay back down, like super tired. And I don't know my mind starts racing, be productive, be this, do that. And it's, oh, I got this today. I got that today. Oh man, I forgot to do this. Life does get extremely difficult, especially if you are injured during the camp. Heck, I had to take most of last week off because on Tuesday I ended up, you know, taking a knee to the face. It was a, one, a damn good knee. And two, you know, I ran into it. So something I have to pre- uh, prepare for in my fight. And then two, I can't get punched in the face anymore until this black eye is gone. So there goes sparring sessions. There goes extra practice sessions that I could have been doing to either help lose weight, um, uh, help my technique and all that stuff. So it does get extremely stressful, but to know that it's just time, time will pass and things will get better and you have to stay motivated. I mean, there's depression phase where I'll be in my room all day and not wanting to get up where I feel extremely exhausted. My body's fine. My mind is, is breaking. So my body's following. You know, trying your best to have a positive mind. There's apps uh, online that I have on my phone that are just ambient noises to just help me meditate, help me relax, take deep meditation. Um, I've done float tank sessions where it's literally time away from time. Uh, if people don't know what the float tank is, I've been in there for about 90 minutes and you just lay on Epsom salt for about, uh, it's about 10 inches of Epsom salt and you literally float. Doesn't matter how heavy you are, the, the salt is so thick, you never touch the ground. And you just float there in a dark room that's also soundproof. So literally nothing is there. Your mind has nothing else to think about except for your own personal thoughts. And for me, that's my time to just get away from life. Honestly, even when I train is my time to get away from life. And then when I come back upstairs, I'm like, damn, reality sets in and I got to do all these things again. For me, I'm just trying my best to be as social as possible. I've noticed for myself, I'm a very uh, extroverted person. So even though sometimes I like to be alone, I do need to socialize. I do need to get out of the dorms, out of the apartment and just talk to people, get out, say hello, do this, do that and see some sunlight instead of work, go back in my room and it's just darkness, work, go back in my room and it's just darkness. So for me, I always tell people just talk, vent a little bit. Even the smallest little thing can change your life and can even change someone else's life. You know, reach out and, and, and contact people. And it's always nice to to call my family, to call my mother, to call my brother and, and just kind of go from there. But for me, I've just been trying to relax as much as possible, take the time I need when I need it and listen to my body and know that everything's going to be okay. You have one month to go. So if one day fails, it's okay. There is 30 to 29 more days coming next and everything will be okay. Great. Thanks for sharing. And so now has there been an experience in your fighting career that you have kind of learned the most from and said, Oh my gosh, I'm so glad this has happened because I've just grown so much as a fighter, as a person because of it. I wouldn't really say that I've I've been glad that you know certain things have happened, but I've learned two things. One, obviously, physically listen to your body. I'm one of those people that that Rocky theme where I just want to get up every single morning and run. I want to do this. I want to do that. But sometimes your body can't perform. Your legs are just that tired, or you're just that fatigued. It's okay to take a day off. I remember training world champions, and uh, T.J. Dillashaw would tell me, he goes, "Shorty, you're running every single day, and that's great. There's nothing wrong with it." But then you go into practice and you're exhausted. 
If you need to take a day off, one day is not going to kill you. It's not going to hurt your weight. It's not going to hurt anything. It's actually going to make your body perform that much better. And you might make up for the time lost in that one practice by performing that much more because your body's able to. So listen to your body is, is one of the hardest things I had to be able to take in because I've had multiple injuries and go, oh, maybe if I would have just relaxed, that one would have never happened. And two, I would have performed that much better. And then the last thing, you know, is, is mental health. You know, I have been struggling with mental health for, for quite a while, you know, but it's more just in personal stuff. But then my father passing away last year, it took a huge toll on me. And it still takes a huge toll now. There's definitely moments where I break down. There's definitely moments where I wish I could talk to him or I want to I want to be on the phone or whatever the case may be. But it's one of those things that there's nothing I can do about it when it comes to trying to have my father back, whatever the case may be. It's being able to know that everything's okay. I'm having someone look down on me, protect me, and being able to push forward and know that I'm doing what he's always wanted me to do and him that, you know, himself that he always wanted to do. So it's being able to try my best to be as strong as possible and keep on pushing forward. And again, know that there is another day. People care about me. I know people are out there rooting for me. They love me, my family, my friends, my fans, supporters, sponsors, so be it. So I got to keep on pushing, not just for them, but also for myself and uh, know that, again, everything will be okay. Win, lose, draw, whatever the case may be, everyone's going to be happy with my performance. Thank you for sharing and thank you for bringing up your your dad because I also lost my dad a couple years ago. And so it's, it's tough to lose a parent, right? And so when you have these... Uh, these moments of sadness or these times when you think about your dad, is there something that you do to kind of help keep you going and keep you pushing forward? Honestly, you know, it's, it's crazy because I grew up as, as the macho man now. So not showing your emotions is actually the opposite of what I've been trying to do. I've been doing that my whole life of, I need to be happy. I need the one that brings the cheer and the light in the room. And that's, that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. But sometimes it's okay to show a sad face. It's okay to be down. It's honestly okay to cry. And that's one of my hardest things to do. I think ever since my father passed, I've cried the most since then, not because of, and yes, I guess because of my father passing, but knowing that crying does help. Yeah, it might not help bring him back. It might not help in certain circumstances, being able, but being able to let your emotions out and not let that that stress stay in there. People, it's kind of like that saying, um, when that jar gets too full, eventually it's going to explode. You put too much air in the balloon, eventually it's going to explode. That stress is that air in the balloon. And if it keeps out building up, if you don't let it out, eventually that balloon is going to explode and you're, you're, you are going to break down and you are just going to fail at whatever you're trying to do. I always tell people, especially in MMA, if you go into practice mad, you're going to spar mad. And now you have the horse blinkers on and you're just focusing on one thing and one thing only. And the bad thing is you're not focusing on the whole picture. And now you're an easier target. And that's when people get hurt. That's when people get beat up. And that's when people just don't perform the best. And now you go upstairs or wherever you're going that much more mad at your performance when you could have just stayed calm at a level head and go, okay, cool. This is what I need to do. So for me, honestly, even a couple of days ago, you know, yesterday, I wanted to cry too. And if I was able to, then I would have cried. It just never, you know, honestly just never came out, but I took time to myself. So for me, I think being able to take care of your mental health, talking to people, finding a mental coach and, and doing different things. I'm still always looking for different things, more holistic things instead of, oh, I need antidepressants or I need this to make myself feel better. No, you can, you know, you put yourself in this, you can take yourself out of it. And it's, it's one of those things that you have to try your best to believe in yourself and know that again, other people are out there that care for you. And if you need help, it's not a bad thing to reach out. I know people are always so embarrassed. I mean, you and I go to MVP and, and, and I mean, how many people that you know that first started off not saying anything and then eventually they slowly start to posture up and now you 
almost can't shut them up. They're just having a great time being there because it's the time where, you know, I just am able to vent and let it out. And there's that little air coming out of the balloon. You can just kind of function that much better. Right. And, and I think what you mentioned about it's okay to not be okay is very important because we don't always have to have a smile on our face while we like to have smiles. I mean, we do experience sad emotions, anger, negative emotions, and we need to not bottle those up and really let those out and find people in our support circle that we can share our feelings with. And you mentioned MVP, Merging Vets and Players, which is a fantastic organization that was founded by Jake Glazer and Nate Boyer that really brings athletes and veterans together to bond, to talk about their what they're feeling, these emotions. And you're right, and we've seen some great people just open up and share their feelings. And so I share this with our listeners because I think it's important for all of us to have people in our lives that we feel like we can vent to, that we can share our unpleasant emotions with too, not just share the joys and the excitement in our life. And I really applaud you, Shorty, for having the courage to really share publicly your your mental and emotional struggles over the past couple of years that I've known you. I mean, not everyone is willing to open up and share that, you know, publicly too. So I really just applaud you for everything that you're doing to to bring awareness to people, to let them know that it's okay to not be okay and to have these struggles and to feel this way. I really appreciate that as well. And it's it is a very hard thing to do because again, I grew up not sharing. You know, I grew up as the person that needs to make people smile. And that's awesome. There's nothing wrong with that. But sometimes you need people to make you smile as well. And you can't always, you know, thrive off of people's energy. You need to thrive off your own. And sometimes people can assist you with that, you know. And, and honestly, it was crazy. I was talking to a kid yesterday who's an amateur who's going through a lot of things as well. And you start to realize that you're not alone. As selfish as this might sound, it's kind of nice knowing that I'm not the only one struggling in this whether it's a professional, an amateur, somebody even above me, a champion, whatever the case may be, it you have to know that one, somebody always has it worse out there, which really sucks, poor guy. But two, you're definitely not alone with this mental struggle. And that's why you see so many people, especially at MVP, where it's veterans that have so much so, so much mental health problems where they feel like they're not alone, but then they realize once they get in that room, man, almost everyone in this room is going through kind of coincidentally the same exact problems I am. So it's nice to know that you're not alone. And it's nice to know that other people can help you push through it as well, or even give you different type of advice. Absolutely. So I want to switch gears and talk about something that I think is great that you're doing with the, the Team Shorty Foundation. So tell us a little bit more about the focus of the organization and why you started it. So for me, you know, as I brought up earlier, my my father and brother were amazing athletes, but didn't have the upbringing or proper opportunity to give them a chance to sign up for a gym or compete in any type of teams. You know, it it was just one of those things that if they would have done it, their lives would have been completely different. I don't know if they would have been professionals, but the outcome definitely would have been changed. So for me, it's a fact of if there's some amazing athletes out there, even just people in general, I'm not saying that I want everyone that I I sponsor or kind of endorse to be a professional athlete. Honestly, if it wasn't for MMA or martial arts, I would have never went to college. You know, I was possibly joining the Marines. If not, I was working 80 hours at a pizzeria, you know, as, as a pizza delivery boy making like 50, 50 to $60 a day, which is you know nothing when I'm working 80 hours a week. You know, so for me, it's, it's just one of those things that I know, I know from my personal experience that the gym literally helped change and save my life. It gave me a different opportunity because in high school, I was a 1.8, 2.0 GPA grade point average. And uh, in college, I ended up being a 
Why? Because martial arts help give me that responsibility and maturity and, and really moral sensibility to know that I can do a lot more things if I actually put my mind to it. I lost every single first fight, and I don't know, I ended up being a champion in almost every single style of martial arts by the time I really started to get motivated and pushed to it. If this shorty can do it, why can't you? So for me, my neighborhood in Chicago, there's so many families that just can't afford to take their kids and put the kids in the gym like my father's you know, parents weren't able to do and how my parents weren't able to do and my brother. You know, for me, I'm trying to help different parents and I'm trying to help kids, teens and young adults, you know, really push through and go here. Here's a chance at life. Here's a different opportunity to see if you like it. If you don't like it, maybe it still teaches you some type of responsibility and morals to do something better in life. And honestly, another thing I do is I don't sponsor when I sponsor athletes. I don't sponsor great athletes. I know that that sounds a little deceiving, but. I don't sponsor kids or, or people in general that have amazing records. I'm not looking for that. I'm looking for people who pay it forward naturally and never look for anything in return. I never try to ask for anything in return. I see you know, kids in here where um, there's a story, a kid named Sebastian. All he does is help the professionals, but he never gets anything in return. No money, no this, no gear, no anything. And I'm like, have you even ever competed? The, the kid had like one amateur fight and he's lost, but he's training with world champion professional fighters. And he's, his body's taking a, you know, professional buck kicking. Like that's really how it is at 18, 19, 20, 21 years old. So it's one of those cases. I was like, you know what? Let me help sponsor you for the tournament. Let me get you some experience. The kid ends up winning the tournament and he had three tough fights. He fought three fights in two days and he ended up winning the tournament. Now he's like, I want to do it again. Let's do it again. I can't wait. Now he's saving his own money to do it. And now he's trying to help more people in the gym to try to you know sign up for the tournament to get different experiences. So it's, it's one of those things that this, this foundation is changing lives. It might not be in the most significant way, but it's a little ways in the long term that, that really matter to me. Oh, I love that. And I think, you know, sometimes people think that they can't do anything to make a difference because we think about change the world. You have to do these grandiose things and you don't. It's really about just making an impact with the people that are around you, right? And every little thing makes a difference. So whether you're impacting one person or, or 10,000 at a time, you're still doing your part to make the world a better place. It's a huge thing. I, I ended up sponsoring my old, uh, my high school and my junior college. I bought all their warmups and wrestling singlets and all the kids were like, dude, that's really awesome. I really appreciate that. And it's like, the crazy thing is, honestly, some of them, most of the high school kids won't go to college to wrestle. Those college kids that I sponsored, uh, the whole team, they're in junior college. So most of those guys won't compete after junior college, but it's one of those things, even with like martial arts, you can only do it for so long, especially sports that you're not going to go professional in like wrestling or baseball, football. You can only do it for so long. So enjoy the journey while you can. And knowing that somebody gave back, maybe just maybe you do well enough in life that you're able to give back in some, you know, either in the same way or a different way to help another, you know, small group of people. It, you never know what paying it forward could do when it comes to changing someone's lives. And Again, I might not see a huge impact directly, but maybe in the long term, it might change their life or if not multiple more people. Oh, I love that. And you're doing a fantastic job with, with the Team Shorty Foundation. And I encourage our listeners to check out the foundation more, teamshorty.com. We'll have that link in the show notes. And 100% of all the proceeds for the gear that's on there goes to help kids and teens and young adults stay in the gym and off the street. So check them out. And what I want to do now, Shorty, is I want to switch to my two-minute drill, seven quick, fun questions. Are you ready? Let's do it. All right, here we go. What's your favorite food? My favorite food are tacos. Okay. Favorite movie? Favorite movie, Rumble in the Bronx with Jackie Chan. Nice. What's your favorite sports team? Favorite sports team? I do not have one. If not, I would have to say Chicago Cubs. 
Okay, there you go. I'm a Cubs season ticket holder, so go Cubbies. <laughs> I got to hang, gotta hang <laughs> out with you more often. Yes, you do. When you get back up here, we'll go to the Cubs game. What's the best piece of advice you've gotten from a coach or a mentor? You have to believe in yourself. Oh, I love that. Okay, I'm going to flip it now. What's the best piece of advice you would give someone? Have fun, because if you're not having fun, then why do it? Love it. Yes, yes. It's about enjoying the the journey, not just getting to the destination. What is one thing that most people don't know about you? I need 100% to make people smile. It is one of those things that I need to be the light in the room. Got it. Well, you do a fantastic job from whenever I'm with you. <laughs> um, and if you could be any superhero, who would you be and why? If I could be any superhero, given I'm going to go anime, I would love to be Goku because I'm used to having people rely on me all the weight on my shoulders. And I love enjoying the challenge. If people don't know who Goku is, it's Dragon Ball Z. And it's just one of those things that it is literally motivated, motivated me every single day in my professional career to be just like that person. Got it. Great. All right. So now as we wrap up today's show, tell our listeners, what's the best way to follow you and kind of see you on your journey and connect? Yeah, even if people want to ask me questions, uh, they can message me on Facebook, uh, Shorty Tours MMA, Twitter, Shorty Tours MMA, and Instagram is my biggest following page, Jose Shorty Tours. Again, I do message back every single person. I try to do cameos or even just message them back and just have conversations. If they need any type of help, assistance, whatever the case may be, I'm happy to give back. If I can, I will. If I can't, I sadly can't. But if people want to follow uh, the Team Shorty Foundation, teamshorty.com, Again, 100% of the proceeds go to kids, teens, and young adults to stay inside the gym and off the streets. Again, you never know what pain afford can be. $20 is $20 that can change someone's life that you just never know what can you know happen next. So I appreciate the love and support. And uh, guys, I just thank you so much. Great. And we will have all those links in the show notes. I encourage you guys connect, follow Shorty on his journey. And thanks so much for being on our show today. Really enjoyed our conversation. Anytime. I appreciate it. And again, March 28th, Brave CF. If people want to tune in, it'll be on Fight TV, F-I-T-E dot TV in Brazil and in the U.S. So I appreciate all love and support. Thank you so much. Great. Thanks so much. Check him out. Wish you the best on your upcoming fight. And thanks again, everyone, for listening. And we will catch you on the next episode. If you haven't already done so, hit that subscribe button for the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And until next time, make sure that you suit up, you show up, and you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball. To see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball, check out my website at www.jenniferagarrett.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And also join the Move the Ball Facebook group for even more content and to be a part of the Move the Ball movement.